<coughs> All right. Um, let's go to uh, get, get your Bible. Um, we we got I got a few verses on the screen, but we need to go. There's a couple places we need to go outside of that. Uh, Matthew chapter number eleven. Matthew chapter number eleven. You don't have a Bible. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're done. He's, <laughs> there's no hope. Yeah, there's no hope after that. None. Macklin is scarred. Macklin is scarred. All right, uh, Matthew chapter eleven. Matthew chapter number eleven. Can y'all hear? Can y'all hear this thing? Okay. Man, it's so weird. We're we're having such a hard time hearing online. Uh, we got to figure that whole deal out. Um, all right. Are are we recording this tonight? We got the okay. All right, make sure. Um, all right, Matthew chapter number eleven. Now, last week I did, or two weeks ago, I did. Um, I started this thing, and um, I, I, I title, I kind of titled it a hurried life, and it's it's really uh, a bunch of Bible verses and a lot of principles. I think there's ten of them total that I've come up with, and there's probably pro probably could come up with a hundred, um, but it's all centered around the life that we live in, in 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 the case of always being in a hurry. Like everything that we everything that we do, everything that the world wants us to do is consumed by hurry. Um, it, it's it's crazy. It's like we're and we all know it. We all understand that we're in a we're all understand that we're in a kind of a microwave society. But here's what I'm afraid of: that we get in here and and we forget that we're different. Like we're, everything in God's economy is backwards. Like for instance, Jesus waited till he was 30 years old. To launch out into public ministry. Now, the layout of sin would say, the layout of sin in me would say, man, that that doesn't sound like a really good pattern for ministry, right? If you're Jesus Christ, you should have rolled in on the scene at what, 18, 19 years old? Had a had a had, but no, that's not the way God works, right? Does that make sense? God's pattern is not our pattern. God, the way God does things is not the way we do things, and it's not the way we think. Remember, God's thoughts are not our thoughts; His ways are not our ways. And and, and so, I think here's here's what I think happens to us. I think hap what happens to us is that we get so we get so enamored uh, with doing and going and and working. And that we completely forget that God has called us to a place of rest. God has called us to a place to where we get along with the Lord on a regular basis. And, and I, I heard a guy say, I heard a guy say this one time, and it makes total sense. You can know a lot about God, uh, and you can re, you can you can know a lot about God by listening to things, listening to podcasts. You can know a lot of God, about God by uh, you, you can listen to audiobooks. You can do this. You can do that. There's all kinds of things that you can do and learn about God. But you can't actually know God nor get God's wisdom any other way but by spending time with God. Period. There's no other way, there's no other way to do it. And so I want to look at some, some Bible verses and I want to give you some principles that I think would really help all of us. Uh, Matthew 11 and verse 28. We know this. Uh, we've heard this these verses a number of times. I want to take it in a little bit different uh, angle, though. He says, "Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden." So, all of you that that labor and are heavy laden, he he says, "I want you to do something." He said, "I want you to come unto me 
and I will give you rest. So here's the promise. If you come to Jesus, who, who's he talking to? Anybody, anybody have an idea who he's talking to? The, yeah, you, the world, the reader. If we come to Jesus, all right, and we're laboring, what, what, how are we laboring? Well, it could be a mental labor. could be a physical labor. It could be a combination of both. If we're bogged down with heavy laden, he says, if you come to me, what, what does he say will happen? I will give you what? Anybody know how to finish the verse? Rest. What kind of rest? Well, he, this is what he says in verse 29. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest. Now, here's the rest. You ready? Brother Sean already said it. Rest unto your souls. So the promise in Matthew 11 is if you come to Jesus Christ, you're going to find rest. And what's crazy is you're not just going to get any kind of rest. You're going to get rest for your souls. Now, I don't know about you, but The world is a restless bunch of souls. And you don't know who else is a restless bunch of souls? The one that's been saved. That is enamored with the things of the world and never find any rest in Jesus Christ. They're still, they're still, they're still restless souls. They're, why? Well, because they, they won't keep coming to Jesus. Like, how many of you understand... That coming to Jesus is not a one-time thing. It is a one-time thing for salvation, right? The sealing of the Spirit, it, that's a one-time thing. But here's the deal. You're not going to find rest for your souls coming to Jesus one time and then bailing out to everything that you know to be uh, restful. Does that make sense? Um, Ecclesiastes, uh, there's an interesting verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and verse 6. It, it's, it's on the screen. Better is a handful of quietness than both hands full with travail and vexation of spirit. Now, when we now, now make sure you get what this is, Solomon. Solomon is writing this in his old age. Now, uh, Solomon had all the women in in uh, in Proverbs. Does that make sense? Don't you understand what I'm saying? He had all the good things going in Proverbs, and then he gets over in Ecclesiastes, and he's like. All right, a handful of a handful of quietness. How I many you understand that a handful is a lot less than than both hands full? Does that make? Do you understand what I'm saying there? So, a little Solomon is saying this: a little bit is better than both of your hands full. A little bit of what? A little bit of quietness. So the, the contrast is this, you can, you can work really hard to get both hands full, but here's what you're probably going to get. You're probably going to get travail, and you're going to get vexation of spirit. Now, I'm not giving way for being lazy. Somebody say amen right there. Lazy, la laziness is, it, there's no place for laziness in a Christian. There is no place. But I will say, I will say, we got to be careful at, at, at not having not working to keep our hands full and at the same time missing out on the handful of quietness. Um, there, there, it's, it's crazy. Uh, the society we live in has taught us that contentment comes in things. Contentment comes in things. And then God pops off with godliness with contentment is great gain. So the world says that, that, that great gain comes from things. And then God says godliness, godlikeness, and what? Contentment or great gain. Now, why does he say that? Well, he says this, for we brought nothing, in, we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we'll carry nothing out of it. So, so it, it, it's it, it's 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 brother Sean. This this is this is what this is what happens. 
We come into the world with absolutely nothing, and then we go out into the world with what? Absolutely nothing. So in the middle somewhere, there's gain, right? There's only two kinds of gain. God says that the only gain that matters is what? It's spiritual gain. And, and he says, godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, that, that, that's a wild deal to me because I came in with nothing and I'm going out with nothing, but God says under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Paul, you can gain, but it's going to come at the expense of godliness and contentment. That's just a wild deal to me. Why? Well, because I'm not going to take. All right, so so I'm going to die, and everything I work, everything I work really hard for. I, was, I came into the world as a as a, a five pound and, and ten ounces of baby, and I'm going to go out into the world, and I had absolutely nothing. I depended on I depended on uh, that time. I depended on my mother for everything uh, to to make sure I was fed and clothed. And, and in here, I'm going to go out into the world, and I'm, I'm going to have absolutely nothing. But the stretch from the time I draw my first breath to the time I draw my last breath, the only thing that matters to God in terms of gain is godliness with contentment. Now, I, I don't know, but the only place that we're ever going to gain anything is the judgment seat of Christ. And I think, I think that God's trying to let us in on something that our godliness with contentment will be the way we have great gain in life. And I just wonder, as, as, as a whole, but you say, why would you even say, talk about it? Well, the reason we got to talk about this kind of thing is because, uh, because if we're not careful, we'll completely, bypass, we'll completely bypass all of that and say, ah, you know, we, we got we to have this, we got to have that. I want us to be careful. Why do I want us to be careful? Well, because if we look at the life of Job, Satan took things from Job to hurt him. Satan took things from Job to hurt Job. But I think that God's, I think Satan's given things to men today to hurt men. I think, I, think, I think Satan learned a lot from Job. I think Satan learned that, man, a dude that really does love God, you can take all his stuff and he thrives. But you know what? A dude that really does love God, you go to giving him things. And that's why Paul said that the love of money, the root, that the love of money is the root of all evil. <coughs> I think if we're not careful, we ourselves will live a life that is so hurried that we completely forget God. And, and you know what's sad? A lot of us in here, um, we're either going to raise kids or we're raising kids. And, and you know if you're not careful, or you, you're going to help raise grandkids. If you're not careful, you'll forget to raise your kid in the, mid, in the midst of the hurried life. Um. I was talking to somebody just the other day, and they actually had a whole lot of regret over the fact that they didn't spend the time that they wished they would have spent with their kids. And then it wasn't long, Jordan sends me a video of, of somebody saying, uh, whatever, I don't know, was it Matthew McConaughey or something, some video you sent me, uh, spend uh, never, what was it, uh, I don't remember how the whole thing went, but yeah, you'll never regret spending time with your kids. You'll never regret talking to your kids. You'll well, that's the truth uh, in terms of a hurried life. If, if we're not careful, we'll live our lives so in such a fast pace that we'll forget that God has given us those kids to do that. And um, so, you know, it, it's just it's, it's something that we really need to think about, it's something that we uh, need, to, need to worry about. Why do you say you need to worry about it? Well, the most productive person to ever set foot on this planet was Jesus Christ. And if you read the Gospels, all four of them, you go and read them, 
He never one time got in a hurry. And he was the most productive man on the planet. Um, Jesus never rushed because he moved at God's pace. God wasn't in a hurry. You'd say, why? Well, because he, he, wasn't, running at his, he wasn't running at the world's pace. He was running at his pace. And, and I, I, want, I, want you to, I want you to make sure, make sure you get this. One guy said, hurry is not of the devil. Hurry is the devil. Hurry is the devil. Um, th- there's, there's one other place. Uh, I think I've got it. I've got it on the screen. Um, Deuteronomy chapter number 8. I want, you, I want you to see this. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. If, if, you've got a, if, if you've got a habit of marking your Bible, if you've got some pen and paper, you, you're going to want to take some notes on this. Because it, it's really, uh, you know, it's kind of changing my perspective on some things. Uh, from 1 Corinthians chapter number 10, uh, the Bible says that, that in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the principle is uh, these things were written for our admonition uh, and these things are written for our learning. So what things? We're talking about the Exodus, the things that happened in the Exodus. Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verse number 8. Deuteronomy chapter number 6 and verse number 8. Um, now now look, at, look, at, look at how this actually works. Therefore thou shalt keep the commandment, thou shalt keep the commandments of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways and to fear him. Man, uh, so, so the plan here is for man just to follow God and to follow his plan for their life. Look, look at verse 8. Uh, for the Lord thy God bringeth thee into a good land. Now we know the good land is, is what, what do we call it? The starts with a P, promised land. Uh, and look what he says is in the good land. A land of brooks of water, of fountains and depths that spring out of the valleys and the hills. So there's, there's, there's brooks of waters, there's fountains, and there's depths that spring out of the valleys and the hills. All right, verse 8, a land of wheat and barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey, a land wherein thou shalt eat bread without scarceness, that thou shalt not lack anything in it, a land whose stones are iron, a land, uh, uh, excuse me, and out of whose hills thou mayest dig brass. When thou hast eaten and art full, then shalt thou bless the Lord thy God for the land which he hath given thee. Verse 9, go go to, to, flip over just a little bit, Deuteronomy uh, chapter number 11. Deuteronomy chapter number 11. Is it on the screen? Yeah. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter uh, number 11 and, and verse number 9. Uh, and, that, and that ye may prolong your days in the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers to give unto them and to their seed. Now, right, look, look at this. All, all, that, all that in Deuteronomy 8. And then a land that floweth with milk and honey. Verse 10. For the land whither thou goest in to possess it, is not as the land of Egypt from whence she came out, where thou sowedest thy seed and waterest it with thy foot as a garden of herbs, but the land whither ye go to possess it, it is, uh, is a land of hills and valley and drinketh water of the rain of heaven. Now, what, what is the contrast here? He's contrasting Egypt and what? Roshan already said it. Somebody say it again. The promised land. He's contrasting Egypt. Say he's contrasting what? Egypt and all right. So we know that to be the world, right? Egypt is a picture of the world. And the promised land is a picture of anybody know? No, no, no. The spirit filled life. Right? Canaan, Canaan, the promised land, is a picture of the spirit-filled life. Now, there's a lot of people for years have taught us that the, prom- that, that the promised land is heaven. Um, and and uh, we, we, the Bible says that we can walk in that now. Well, we're not in heaven now. Uh, so we can walk in that now, which is, uh, according to Colossians, heaven on earth. Right? 
But, but make sure you get this. Why, why is this so important? Because it's huge. It, it, is, it is one of the most monumental things that you could ever get your mind grasped around if you'll let the Spirit of God do it. So, so the land is so much better in the promised land than the land in the world, than the land in Egypt. So the land in the Spirit-filled life Comparing Scripture to Scripture is so much better than the land in the world. You see, the land in the world has, has these plains to where you gotta, you got you to gotta work really hard in the garden to get water. Does that make sense? Like, like he said, you, you, you got to work really, really. The, it was so dry in Egypt that they had to bring water from, from a long ways away to water their gardens. They had to find a water source, and then they had to, to bring that water to their, to, their, to their gardens in Egypt. Well, God's like, man, this land that, that I've got promised for, guess what? It's got brooks, and it's got springs, and it's got fountains, and it's got depths of water in the hills and the valleys. Sounds like a better place to live, right? Amen? All right, but look, look at verse number 12. I think this is, a, this is, one, I think this is one of the verses in my mind uh, that, that makes me pause and think about life. It makes me really think, what am I doing in life? All right, look at, look at it. And the land which the Lord thy God careth for. A land which the Lord thy God careth for. So, so right off the rip, God is caring for this land. Does that make sense? God's already, God's already caring about this land before they ever get there. You ready? For the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it from the beginning of the year even unto the end of the year. So, so here it is. God has got this land. You ready? And he's already caring for it. What does that look like? I don't know. I want to say it looks like, like I, here's what I want to say. I want to say it looks like God drawing brooks with his finger. I want to say it looks like God sculpting out the valleys and pushing the mountains to the side. He's going to let the children of Israel live in the valley and he's going to let the children of Israel live by the brook that he just carved out with, the, with his finger and he's going to let them see those mountain ranges. He's going to let them build houses in the bottom of those valleys and, and just look and he's going to have a place of, of green grass for the cattle to dwell. The Bible says before they ever got to the promised land, that God was, what He was taking care of it. Now remember, this is the land that God wants all of us to have. He don't want us to dwell in Egypt. He don't want us to live in the world. You say, man, do you think we can live here? I don't, I don't think so. I think God commanded us to. I, I know God commanded us to. Look, look what he says from the beginning of the year even to the end. So God is caring for this land all the time. He, he's got a place for the children of Israel to go all the time. He's all the time caring for this land. He's all the time doing, doing miraculous things in this land. He's all the time taking this land and, 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 and he's, care, <clears throat> he's caring for this land. Well, what, what does that actually mean? Well, in that land, He cares for us. What does He do there? Well, I can tell you what I don't do there. I don't work. I don't have to work in that land. You don't have to work in that? No, you don't have to work in that land. you got to live in it. It's just where you live. It's not where you go and work. Why? Well, because when you come unto Jesus, all you that are weary and are and of heavy laden, you get rest. In the land, there's rest. Why? Because you're not the one caring for it. God is the one caring for it. 
So all you got to go do is rest in that land. It's a place where God cares for us. I'd say it's a place where God can speak to us. It's a place where God, you say, well, God speaks to me everywhere. That's a lie. Unless you're living in this land all the time. Unless you've made it a point that you're living in this land. And, and listen, I would want to see, I would want to see, I would want to see some spiritual victories in your life. Why, how do you know he's not doing that? Well, because I think we get so enthralled with the world that we end up with, that our, our citizenship then turns to the world. And God's like, no, that's not how this thing works. I, I, I care for you in this place. I, I can speak to you in this place. And I, I would say this is where God, this is where God gives us wisdom. See, what's going to happen is one of these days, we're, we're in this, man, we're in this, we're in this time period that's really weird. Man, can, can I, you know, I can't imagine being in the Philadelphian church age, man. We're, dude, they were just rocking it out. I mean, they, dude, Jesus, dude, they had, I mean, they was doing it. I mean, can you imagine being, being around in the days of Spurgeon, going to the Metropolitan Baptist Tabernacle and listening to Spurgeon preach? Just thousands of people coming and, and people hearing that dude preach and, and just say, people saved by the droves. I mean, John Wesley, uh, man, man, just a lot of these old preachers, uh, who, there, there's, I can't remember his name, and I should. There's one old preacher, they say that could stand, could stand and preach and could be heard for a mile. A mile. You say, what, what is that? Listen, that was probably, a, that was a point in time in life to where it was just different. You know where we're living right now? We're living in an age that is waxing worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. You don't think it is? Go talk to my kids about the place they go to school. You don't think it's getting worse? Go talk to my kids. Listen, the standard, I just figured out last night that there's a standard in one of their classes that you don't get to drop the F, is it the F-bomb? Oh, you can't drop the F. No, not the F-bomb. You can't say any racial slurs. Uh, you're not supposed to take uh, God's name in vain. Is that, is that, that's it. But you, did you know in this class, you can say whatever else you want to say. Whatever. That's in a that's a junior high school class at Paulding County Elementary School with a male teaching it. And as long as you don't drop the F bomb, as long as you don't GD it, and as long as you don't uh, throw out racial slurs, you say you can say any other cuss word you want to do. You won't say. I mean, I don't know about you, but we're, the standard is the standard is so low. The standard is so low. Do we think that it's going to get better? Man, it's hard. That's why he had to say. That's why he had to say <laughs> that we can't get weary in well doing. That's why he said that because we are going to get weary in well doing. He says, "Don't get weary in well doing," because in due time. You're going to receive a reward. So if the world's getting that bad, and I'm not coming apart from that on a regular basis, to hear from Jesus Christ, to get in that land, to where I can live in that land all day long, you're, you're going to cave. You are going to cave. You, there's no doubt about it. You are going to give in to society before it's over with. And we got to always be raising the standard in this church. Why? Because the standard of the world is going to change the standard of this church. It has never, it, the, the, the church was intended to change the world. And what has happened is the world has changed the church. The world has dictated what the church is supposed to be. How it's supposed to act. Friend, I'm telling you right now. 
a biblical church is a hard one to find because the world dictates. All you got to do is get a bunch of carnal people together and claim it's church, and when they formulate around that and they say that's church, the majority always wins in that instance. Always. They get to say what the church is. This book don't matter when it comes to that. Majority rules in America. Majority rules in this county. They will always say that we're not doing it biblical. They will always say that you're, you're not doing it right because, well, majority rules. And so I'm saying if we don't come apart from that, if we don't get away from that, it's a big deal. I love the comparison. Uh, I love the comparison between, between the two. Um, I, I did give you this one last week or two weeks ago. Um, the first consequence of, a, of, a, of living a hurried life is it destroys your relationship with Jesus Christ. It destroys, <coughs> it destroys your relationship with Jesus Christ. Um, I, don't, I don't know that I need, I need to go all the way back through there. Um, but here's, here's, I'll give you this little bit. Um, intimacy with God requires stillness. It requires attentiveness, and it, it and it requires silence. That's what intimacy with God is. Now, not to get super weird, um, but the relationship between a man and a woman in terms of intimacy was the same relationship that God gave us with Himself. You say, "Well, that's 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 just weird." Well. You've probably been thinking about your relationship with your spouse real weird for a long time then. Because the facts are that that's how God, that's how God, God chose to give us that relationship between a husband and wife. And without that relationship of intimacy, you cannot grow closer. Do you know, I think, I think it's an, I think it's an impossibility for a couple that, that, that doesn't have a relationship of intimacy to grow closer. They say, well, we're just not wired that way. Or I'm just not this. I'm just, I don't think it happens. I don't think it ever happens. And, and I'd be willing to prove it. I'd be willing, I'd be willing to almost bet if we, if we lined apples and apples up in terms of marriages, I, I'd be willing to prove that I'm, I'm, I'm pretty close to right on that deal. So uh, how, how am I going to know God? Well, Psalm 46 verse 10 says, be still and know that I am God. Uh, let me give you the second one. A hurried life decreases your capacity to love others. A hurried life decreases your capacity to love others. Where, where do you get that from? Uh, I think we got that. Is that First uh, Corinthians? Go go to that one real quick. First Corinthians, um, chapter thirteen, the great love passage. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profit me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoiceth in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hope all things, and endureth all things. What is charity? Charity is love, and it's the deepest kind of love. It's actually love in action. That's what charity is. And it is not a coincidence that in this chapter that is filled with all of this, all of these things that charity is, charity does a lot of things. Well, what does it do? It suffers long, and it's kind. Well, you... you, you, you know, you know what I think hurry, a hurried life does? It keeps you in such a rigor that you can't be long-suffering with people. Does that make sense? Like somebody, that, somebody that's always living a life that is just, you, you can't actually suffer long with people. And it's even hard, how many of you understand? <clears throat> Maybe you've been here before. You ever been super stressed and super busy? And you find it really hard to be kind? That's a hard one, right? 
I mean, you're super stressed out, you're super busy, and you're like, ah, man, I just ain't, I don't have time to be nice. I don't have time to be kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, it's one of them things. Um, love doesn't leave at the first sign of trouble. Love and love and hurry, they, they don't actually coexist in the same place. And I, that's what I I loved about Mark. Uh, if you were talking to him, and, and, and look, I don't think it happens overnight, but if you were talking to that dude, you, you were talking to that dude. Didn't, didn't nothing else matter. And I think he understood that, you know, the greatest commandment is to what? There's two of them. But the greatest is what? Love God. What's the second one? Love others. So those are the two greatest commandments. And here it is. When you're in a hurry, you're always in a, a hurried form of life. You know what the hardest thing is going to be to do? Love others. Uh, love God and love others. So how much is being in a hurry always costing us? How much is never stopping, taking our Bible and asking God to speak to us? How much is that really costing us? Um, number three, let's get this one. Number three, a hurried life increases the power of temptation. A hurried life increases the power of temptation. Let's say, Let's say that that we're in here and go back to that whole Jesus thing, wait until he's 30 years old and start his ministry. You say he was 100% God and he was 100% man. He was Jesus Christ, he was God in the flesh, and he was 100% man. Well, let's just say that that 30 years that he spent in pretty much obscure, uh, an obscure place, right? Remember they said, who is this? This is Carpenter's son. Uh, he, he's got brothers and he's got sisters. That's what they said. This, this is the Carpenter's son. Remember he spoke and they were all amazed. Like, man, who is this? He's the Carpenter's son. All right. Well, one of the things that happens is Jesus goes up into the wilderness and he spends 40 days after his baptism. Remember, he came on the scene, John baptized him, he goes and he spends 40 days in the wilderness. All right? Does anybody know, you remember what happens, who, who comes to him after those 40, at the end of those 40 days? Satan. What does he try to do to him? Tries to give him everything? After those 40 days, tries to give him all, all, all the things that he's, he's, he, he, is, he's, he already is going to get. You know, everything that he tried to give Jesus, he's going to get. It was his to begin with. Well, he comes at him and he says, you know, one of the big things he says is, how I'll give you all these kingdoms of the world. Just like that. Well, here's what, here's what I wonder. Here's, here's what I wonder about us. I wonder if that's the reason that we have sex before marriage. Because... just like that you ever wonder that well the, the, the right thing to do is wait <clears throat> well who wants to do that well let's say it ain't sex before marriage let's say let's say it's um, let's say it's after marriage 
the sake of porn addiction. Let's say it's a gambling addiction. Trying to get rich quick. Let's say let's say it's a porn addiction, and I'm trying to get in a what? An instant gratification. You see, go back to the wilderness. Jesus is in the wilderness. He just has come on the scene. He was baptized by John. He goes, spends 40 days in the wilderness. And Satan comes to him, <coughs> and he's tempting him. The instant gratification mechanism would say, he says he'll give me all the kingdoms in the world. But Jesus wasn't willing to wait. Here's what I wonder. I wonder sometimes if you and me are in such a hurry that we make so many mistakes because of instant gratification. When Jesus has got a whole a whole ministry lined up. If Jesus has got a whole, I mean a whole plan lined up because no, I want it now. And this is the best God, this is the best way. I gotta, you know what it is? It's a better plan than God's plan. That's what we're saying. We're saying, God, I got a better plan than you do. You see, here's what I've realized. Virtue in people takes time to build. That don't happen overnight. And when you nurture virtue and you nurture the, 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 the patience aspect of that virtue, guess what? We'll be willing to say no to some things that when we lived in this such a fast-paced life before, in such a hurried life before, that we might have said, yeah, yeah, that don't, that don't seem that bad. Yeah, if it'll happen quicker. Yeah, 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 don't, don't worry about it. Yeah, yeah that, that's fine. If it's gonna if 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 it's gonna happen quicker, surely God will be okay with that, right? It's kind of like around here, and there's been a lot of people that's been that's been physically qualified for certain things, but spiritually they wasn't, and the physical part of it would say, "Yeah, put them in that place," but spiritually they just wasn't ready to be there, right? Let, let me give you another one. A hurried life has the ability to numb you and me from the from the thing to, to the things that breaks God's heart. Like a hurried life has the ability to numb to numb us to the things that breaks God's heart. Causes us to be desensitized. Causes us to, to not feel, here it is, so in such a hurry that we can't feel the prodding of the Holy Ghost. Such a hurry in our mind, such a such trying to sort out things in our mind, trying to work out things in our mind, that we snuff out the moments of intimacy that God wants to give us. When life's always moving at a at drastic speed for us and, and, and we're not willing to take, and look, my, my life is a little fast-paced at times, and, and you know what happens? Man, I, I come back around to this whole thing and I say, you know what, God, I, 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 I've given more time and I've given more energy and I've given more of myself, more of my mind, more of my heart, more of my soul, more of my will to everything else than you. And, and what happens is you become really desensitized. Like the things that used to break your heart, the brokenness of the world that used to break your heart, now you're like, man, I, you know, that don't know to tick me off. Like I can't even get hurt anymore over it. It happens in marriages all the time. It happens in, in husbands and wives. It happens with us raising our kids. It happens in the church. It, you know, it, it happens when people fall in the church. It happens when people fall out in the world. It, it happens when when we're when we we can't get God's heart. We're too we're moving too fast. We're, we we've gotten ourselves in a place to where 
uh, we, we can't slow down long enough to see, man, this is breaking God's heart. And guess who else's heart it should break? Then it ought to break ours. Things going on in the world, it ought to break ours. Things that are going on with our kids, it ought to break our heart. But listen, here's what happens. You get so self-consumed. You get so self-absorbed that nobody's hurt matters but your own. Nobody's trials matter but your own. Does anybody else, you know the greatest fix for people that have trials? Anybody know them? Anybody ever heard this? Help others. The greatest fix for your trial is to help others. It's not to wall around in it. God didn't, God, didn't, God didn't bring that trial in your life for you to wallow in pity. Somebody asked me one time, how do how you get through some of the stuff you get through? I have no idea outside of just trusting the Lord that He's going to figure out a way to use it in my life. And here's what I know. Here's what I know. If you will look for the door to open, God will let you walk through it. Every single time. You know, Justin just went through a deal with Jocelyn in a car wreck. And, you know, I mean, first thing in my mind, I'm like, man, I hope the baby's okay. And I think it was a pretty big truck T-boned him, didn't it? Yeah, big box truck T-boned him. So they ended up holding her car. Told her car. She's pregnant. Man, first thing in my mind is, holy Moses. Lord, I hope that baby's okay. That's what I prayed for. Ralph Rip. I was hoping Jocelyn was fine, but. <clears throat> the devastation, the ripple that would have taken place in y'all's life would have been at the expense of, of that baby. Well, now God got, God's gotten you through that trial. God's gotten you through that. God's gotten you on the other side of that. And that trial was built in your life for you to get through and to come out on the other side glorifying the Lord so that when either a brother or a sister or a lost person You've got enough spiritual discernment about you to recognize the situation that God has put them in because he took you out of that same situation. Listen, lost people, lost people just need to know that we've made it. I've, you can't, you, you're never going to win people to Jesus Christ with a five-point outline from Romans chapter number 3 to Romans chapter number 10. You might, you might find, let me say, you know, I'll say you never. You're, most of the time, that's not going to happen. You know what's going to happen? You're going to testify the goodness of God over and over and over and over again. And then one day the door's going to open and you're going to be, let me, let me tell you, can, can I share my faith with you? Say, so how do you know? Because it's the only way it happens with me. I don't, I can't recall, I mean, I'll be honest with you. The only time I've ever led people to the Lord like that were people that didn't stay. Now I might be I, I might be completely wrong. We're gonna get we're we're maybe they're serving in another church somewhere. But most of the time, it's been after a lot of trials in my life and a lot of witnessing and a lot of testimonies and a lot of things God's done in my life. And the next thing you know, and you know what, people that are in a hurry don't testify those things. They don't build relationships with people. People that are in a hurry, they don't take the time to build relationships with people. Why? Well, I'm just not that kind of person. You're not going to be able to use that forever, man. We got, I know every person in the room is wired different. Everybody's got a different shape. But if we can't build relationships with people, we can't tell people of the goodness of God. And all the time in a hurry, here's what I wonder. That crew right over there, they need this crew right here. To testify of the goodness of God. 
those little kids, those teenagers over there, they need to hear this group right here. It, it really, it, for real. I'm not. I, I don't mean to throw stones at you and, and, and rail on you too hard right here. Get, let me let me take about thirty seconds to do that, and then we'll go back to maybe maybe being encouraged. It's a shame that we don't testify more than we do. It's a shame. It's a shame that we don't set the pattern for these kids to see this church testify the goodness of God. Why? They need to see it. They need to see it. You know the you know the older women in the Bible were to teach the younger ones. You say older how? Well, I probably think that it was talking about spiritual maturity. But I guarantee you there's a lot of us more spiritual, spiritually mature in here than we're testifying to to them. But if we're always in a hurry, we're always trying to get in, we're always trying to get out, we're always trying to blow in here, we're always trying to blow. Listen, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. I got three more. We'll try to finish them up next week. And uh, let's pray. All right. Lord, uh, <coughs> Lord, thank you. Thank you for tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for giving us Deuteronomy uh, to let us see that you've built a place that you are caring for and that you've called us to that place. You've called us to dwell in that land. And, uh, Lord, I, I, man, my heart is that we would slow down long enough uh, to get into that land. Lord, I, I hope over the next uh, couple of weeks that we can build some practical application in terms of how to build a quiet time in our life and and how to work that and, and what that looks like. Um, God, we, we need you to speak to us. We need to slow down long enough to be able to listen to you, though. Uh, Lord, we're, we're so inconsistent a lot of times. God, help us to get more consistent with that. Help us to get faithful, Lord. Help us to understand that, Lord, you have called us to dwell with you you have given us a sabbath you have given us a place of rest and god so many times we're always looking for something else and so god i i pray lord that you bless it lord i pray that you bless this coming weekend lord it's going to be mother's day and lord i pray that you help us to celebrate uh to celebrate this weekend maybe there'll be somebody here bring their mom and, and god that you'll just bless it and, and lord you'll use this time as we all just want to bless you and and uh and honor you in all that we do. Lord, I love you. I thank you for today. I thank you for all that you've done in our hearts tonight. Lord, I pray that you bless this. I pray, God, that we don't leave out of here um, with, with a mindset that uh, this is not for us because it's for every person in the room, regardless of, of, of age, regardless of uh, place in spiritual maturity. Lord, we, we are really bad at this sometimes, and I know it. I'm, I'm terrible at it sometimes, Lord. And, uh, Lord, thank you for prodding me to the place of seeing it and God giving me an understanding, Lord, that, that and if I don't slow down and I don't make some time with you, that I am going to be a total train wreck. Lord, I love you, and I pray that we all love you with a heart that says yes to everything you want us to do. In Jesus' name, amen.